Welcome to the Integration Podcast, your guide to enterprise integration. Welcome to the Integration Podcast. In this episode, I got Shravya Talanki, Head of Integration at Keytree, to be my guest here. One of the things I'm really looking forward to to hear is a lot of the insight she has gained through working with integration for a long period of time. You've probably seen some of her really long blogs on SAP.com showing what you should be doing in integration space in different areas. So, Shalanki. Daniel, <laughs> come on. Shravya. Okay. Well, it's okay. Shravya Talanki. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, thanks for the opportunity, Daniel. And I think uh, you've, you probably got my name right, I would probably say. For, uh, it just uh, requires a little bit more practicing in terms of uh, pronouncing my name right. And yes, it's not easy. That's one of the, the big problems I have with uh, a lot of you Indian guys. Yes, girls. yes. And it's not an easy name either. So I yeah. give the credit uh, <laughs> to you for pronouncing it uh, in, uh, I would probably say, the right way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Shravya. I had the enterprise data and integration practice at Keytree Consulting. I have around 20 years of experience in SAP. I've started myself as an ABAPR and actually uh, been into integration and several technologies of SAP uh, for the last 20 years. And I think I've uh, probably started my SAP career in the black and blue screens and grown from there and learned and picked a lot of SAP technologies over a period of time. Uh, you name the technology, I would have known. I would have known it. <laughs> <laughs> It's absolutely a long journey. Uh, my specialization is integration and I help the clients in drafting and crafting the integration roadmap that is fit for the future. I also have specialization in terms of uh, recommending a hybrid integration strategy for on-premise and uh, cloud kind of landscapes. Are you a black belt? Integration black belt? I think... Uh, <laughs> SAP loves to call me as a black belt, but I always think that I am the uh, that my specialization had always been integration. I have a relevant level of experience in the integration, so I think that is the reason why SAP called me a black belt. But I think I'm just like you, Daniel, just integration expert. <laughs> just loves. been here way too long time. Okay. Yes, and I love the integration technology, as you know. It's, yeah, it's my passion. Yeah. Looking forward to the conversation. So uh, let's get started. I guess the, the one of the, the things we talked about that obviously is is having a lot of impact is the COVID situation that's going on. What's your take on that and how does that impact you? Um, I think we are talking about three aspects that we need to cover on COVID. The location and delivery aspect. It wasn't very difficult for Kichi to deal with COVID-19 situation as we had a flexible working environment uh, for many years and had been using many technologies like Skype, Hangout, Zoom from long time for managing our delivery. It was an exceptionally smooth transition for us from day one, if you believe it or not, uh, because we have been following this this approach uh, for many years. So, so the teams were just spread out anyway, and it was not like you had a lot of uh, uh, people at the cost specific customer sites. Exactly. Uh, I think 
there are people at the uh, customer sites but it is not mandatory that we need to be at the customer site or at the uh, office we were uh, completely uh, prepared for covid 19 i would say because we have a very flexible working policy so we go to office as and when the client and the customer demands and we also go to our offices in central london as and when we require so we decide when we need to go to office so it was absolutely smooth for us from the location and delivery perspective but from the people perspective i think that is a, a difficult uh, thing because many people are worried about the impact of covid-19 on future projects and also jobs initially and when the news was out but i think we coped up very well and many of us are terribly busy with work uh, right now and with all due credit to our senior management they had frequently conducted all hands meetings using zoom and uh, tried to address our concerns and set expectations very clearly on how they are actually planning to deal with the covid-19 crisis i would say they have the right strategy in terms of dealing with covid-19 regarding the aspect of managing my own teams as you know daniel i think i'm very social i constantly engage with all my team on all types of social channels to constructively use this time to develop new skills and also develop different types of uh, uh, skills outside technology which is yoga mindfulness because i think this is a golden opportunity for all of us to actually build something beyond work and uh, improve on the aspect of work life balance and i oh, as a manager and also as an individual i always believe you you lead to a right a uh, point of productivity when you as an individual have the right work life balance and you're happy at the end of the day with both work and family and the third aspect that i want to cover is reopening the offices i don't i think we are not only ready reopening up offices safely using our fantastic product matrix employee quota booking not sure whether you heard about it it'll also do it'll also it's a ai based matrix uh, booking product which is deployed on scp which will help employee organizations to create desk bookings and also do monitoring of the desk occupancy using sensors and also produce customized alerts uh, if uh, the if the office space for example, example is overused and you can't allow more than a few people it'll probably alert the employees saying that we uh, are overbooked and the office is full so oh, so you're getting a notification on, once you're getting to the office saying that it's fully booked it may not be it may not be uh, that you uh, you will get a notification when you're halfway through going to the office but it would be a notification that will be sent before you go to office at the end of the day or something saying that this is what uh, i mean this is the occupancy right now and don't start to office so if it say for example in the middle of the day and somebody made a booking and for somehow the uh, the uh, office is fully booked uh, that is going to give you a notification saying please don't start to office at this point of time because we are we've reached the maximum capacity it's a fantastic product product from my uh, perspective you can go into matrixbooking.com in the google and just search uh, the product and find the features out okay and then i guess it will also give you an indication of each room and whatever is is going on yeah absolutely i guess that's a new different product that you decided to develop based on this we had this booking uh, historically uh, for 
desk booking and visitor uh, uh, booking type of thing. But during the COVID-19, our teams have worked around the clock to enhance it uh, to help the customers reopen the offices safely from the day one. Uh, mm, we've added okay. a lot of uh, new features in terms of uh, tracking the real-time uh, desk occupancy as well. And there are a couple of other new features also that are the added, which gives you a lot of notifications, as I said, before we start uh, to office. Okay, I will sure we'll uh, put a note uh, or a link to that in the, in the uh, blog or podcast uh, description. Yes, uh, yes, I'll send you the link. Cool. Another thing, obviously, uh, you were at the whatever the Black Belt uh, webinar with South Cloud Platform this last week, I think it was, uh, sharing a little about your ideas and what's going on in that uh, perspective with SAP integration. One of the, the big thing that I saw you were talking about is this API strategy. And I think that is really an important thing that a lot of customers uh, are working on, but somehow it's really difficult to, to get into practice. What's your take on that? That's a very good question, Daniel. As I explained in the SAP webinar, I will start with analyzing the bottleneck and data critical processes of the customer and identify what process steps we can automate and what data needs to be transformed. And I actually design my APIs according to that. The three key factors for the successful API project, in my opinion, is to you should always try to pilot an MVP model first and also brace yourself with an agile mindset. When I say agile mindset, I think there's a lot of giggle from you and uh, I think many developers as well. So when I say uh, agile mindset, I am actually saying the customers should be bold enough to change the solution components or the data model or the uh, API structures even at the last minute before go live. Mm. And you have to embrace that culture and the mindset uh, when you're actually doing the API strategy project. Because if you're not agile, you will not be able to innovate in the way that you want it to. So you need to be prepared and be bold to change uh, your model and your thinking by collaborating with the business and ensuring that APIs are fit for purpose. And I also see sometimes we don't engage uh, a lot with the API consumers or the customers who are going to consume that API. And I also think it is absolutely critical that you perform a lot of show and tells about your API to the audience regularly. So whoever is using these APIs, you need to perform a show and tell or some sort of presentation to them, telling them what you're doing in every sprint and telling them what that API is, what does, what that API is going to do. And also, as you know, that if you build exceptionally brilliant APIs and you don't have a consumer, your project is a failure. APIs should have the consumers. There's no point in building APIs by not having uh, right consumers who is using it. Mm-hmm. So it's always um, it's always good that you need to be in constant touch with them and know their pulse. And in terms of the third point that I wanted to drive is the is the most important thing and is also something that customers need to realize that we need to provide a right incentive for the API project implementation and adoption. If you need to be agile, 
and change, then you need to be flexible enough with the budget as well. Because, for example, you're, you're uh, having a contract with a freelancing consultant or a consulting partner, and you're, you're asking them to change, change uh, the day before go live, and you don't have a commercial model that supports it. It isn't going to work because the consulting partner or freelancing consultant is going to come back and say, I'm sorry, I can't change this because this is what we have agreed before, and this is what our commercial model is based on. So I always think. If you have to have innovation, then the budget also has to be there to foster the in- innovation from my perspective. So the reason why many of the projects fail is because a lot of projects go and do this in a fixed price model. So in that fixed price model... We got 50000 for building this interface or whatever it is. Exactly. In a fixed price model, uh, if you're having consulting partners, there'll always be some sort of terms and conditions that both the people will agree. And you can't change that. So because you can't put additional effort or, sorry, because you can't put the additional money for developing new features, you might lose out on the innovation. So it's always necessary that we have the right budget for the API project and understand that agile means your budget can go plus or minus. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, also creating a video last week about the, the topic about that. You see proposals, at least on also on the integration level, create this uh, integration, uh, send in send invoices from SAP to System X and you are supposed to come up with a, a budget on that and no one really knows the difficulties in this and you would first towards the end have a really good understanding about how do you estimate and I assume it's the same with APIs as you want to explore what the API should be doing along the way instead of just trying to come up with all the different data that it needs to be and then once you got the data, figure out how to create create it. So I guess it's easier just to 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 be that agile and say, okay, is this the interface you have? Mark it, and then enhance it uh, during that process. Yes, correct. Something I also see a lot is is uh, this thing that the business little differences between the, the the what the business want with APIs and what IT wants with with APIs. Is that something you have seen too? Yes, that is correct. Because the stark difference is because business is not excited with technology, but IT is excited with the technology. So business is all about what is all about money, right? <laughs> it's all about efficiency. It's all about money, and technology is about enabling that. Uh, how, Make it look nice we, and being yeah, correct and stuff like that. Yeah, how you can drive uh, value for the business. So. That's the stark difference on the uh, the gap between the people because the business wants to change the technology and not because it's new. It's because it has to bring value to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess that's uh, the where I've seen some, some places it's more like the business comes with, we want this API and then IT says, sure. But uh, maybe that's also what you mentioned in the presentation, this thing about what are actually the APIs that we need as an organization that will support multiple different integrations instead of just absolutely. point-to-point APIs, whatever yeah. you call that. Yeah, absolutely. 
at the webinar, one of the other things you also talked about with this volume load and that's uh, with the CPI and what that platform was able to achieve. Could you share a little about that? Okay, so I am going to share you a little bit of background as well. It's a really an interesting story. So when we started this exercise of uh, migrating large volume of data from a legacy system to a C4 HANA marketing cloud system, we were actually evaluating a couple of options uh, because it's a migration project. Uh, sorry, because it's a migration project, we were actually suggesting to use data services or sort of that type of a tool to do the extraction transformation and use CPI, for example, for loading the data into marketing using the standard content. However, the customer has got some challenges in terms of procuring the environment. Basically, the customer asked the question, why can't we use CPI to do the migration? And there is only one system that we are extracting the data from, and there is a reasonable amount of transformation, but not very uh, complex. So the first answer that I gave to the customer was, we should never be using cloud platform integration, especially the process integration layer to actually load the data for migration. It's a process orchestration type of a tool, which is used for generating interfaces. Mm-hmm. Runtime, real time. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, in real time. So then uh, the customer has asked, what is it that is actually limiting us in terms of uh, using CPI to do the uh, data migration? So there's no such limitation. It's not a best practice. So, uh, But the customer is insistent that we use CPI to actually load the data into the marketing cloud system. Uh, what we have done is because they have a CPI enterprise edition, so we use CPI data services and also CPI process integration to extract the data from the source system, load that into a staging table, which is HANA. And from the HANA staging table, we are reading and loading that uh, data into Marketing Cloud using CPI process integration layer, where we don't do massive uh, transformation in that layer. Okay. Yeah, you have a question, Daniel? But, but the bottleneck is, was that CPI or was that Marketing Cloud? Uh, no, uh, okay. So they, in terms of your question, the throughput of migration was more than a million records per hour with a CPI process integration instance with three nodes. And when I say that it's a throughput of one million records per hour, it's actually a throttle performance of CPI because CPI was able to actually uh, churn 3 million records per hour with the three nodes. But because marketing cloud uh, system is doing multiple activities and it needs to update a lot of records into the system, it is taking a little bit longer to actually process the records. And hence, what we have to do uh, is to throttle the CPI system. So it was uh, throttled to 1 million records per hour, according to the marketing cloud system configuration. Okay. So the CPI is fully capable of of transporting a lot of data. And yeah, would you then choose to use this platform for other ETL projects or whatever you would call it? I I think... 
there is no limitation in terms of CPI and processing volumes. But however, you also have CPI data services, which you can use to do extraction transformation uh, type of a thing for complex uh, source systems and use CPI process integration to do uh, loading into any cloud or on-premise systems. I don't think we will have any issues in terms of volumes. As you've seen, we've done 100 millions of records in the uh, the target cloud system using CPI, data services, and CPI process integration. But if you have large data warehouses where you need to move the data or you have large number of source systems, uh, when I say large number of source systems, say more than uh, five systems, uh, five to 40 systems, where you have to extract a lot of data and then push that into target cloud system or target on-premise target on-premise system, then I think uh, it's best to use data services, which is an on-premise version of CPI data services, to do the complex um, migration and the transformation. But for some, for simple, straightforward migration into cloud systems for reasonable amount of volume, uh, with reasonable amount of source systems, you can always do it with CPI. Mm-hmm. But I guess the key thing where you were, it was files that you were loading from, and with that you could throttle how many files it needed to create every whatever hour. Um, yes. So you that were not processing good. too many files at once. Yeah, yeah the, the, uh, uh, the number of files uh, that we are processing was 15 files of 100K record. It's absolutely essential that you actually have the file size right. So we were observed uh, maximum throughput when we have uh, records of uh, 100K in a single file uh, because uh, of the optimal memory performance as well. So if you mm-hmm. load so many records, when we are doing the flat file conversion to XML, we were getting a lot of issues. Uh, because uh, if it is more than a certain amount of uh, GB or MB, uh, the CPI throughput wouldn't be uh, as you expect. So it's absolutely essential that you split the files into smaller chunks. <laughs> and also, otherwise, you can use, as I said, uh, for all the large volume uh, projects, you'll always need to have a staging database. So you can read the data from the staging database as well, as and when you want it in a throttle way and push that data into the target. So with the combination of CPI data services and CPI, it's always possible to do the migration into cloud systems, as long as it's not very heterogeneous and very complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was also one of my first what uh, PI projects where some customer wanted to do large volume load through the PI dual stack, which not not really was that supported. But uh, I think we managed to to improve the performance a bit about adjusting file sizes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, I guess another question, obviously, that's a bit interesting is. As a customer, what kind of different platforms should you be be considering when considering integration? I guess this data services, it's not all about just process integration, though, I guess, coming from that back. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's a very good question again, Daniel. I always suggest that we should follow SAP ISAM model when we are actually choosing and picking the right tool. And I think I've also had a blog on this in terms of procuring the right tools for different types of patterns. So as you know, there are four patterns that we have. Uh, One is a user-based pattern where you do the integration to the web applications and mobile applications. And the second one is the data-based pattern where you do master data management and master data synchronization uh, and the extraction transformation loading type of a pattern where you extract a lot of information and a lot of data from different source system and push that into the target system. And there's also Internet of Things pattern where you actually integrate Internet of Things into several uh, devices or on-premise applications. So based on the pattern uh, that integration is, you'll have to pick the right uh, tool from my perspective. And the uh, very well-known pattern, as you know, is process integration. So if you need orchestration that you need to do, where you have to sequence a lot of uh, processes in in process steps, then you would probably be using CPI process integration layer to connect the processes. So it depends on what your source system is, what your target system is, and what volumes of data you're transferring from system A to system B to decide what is the best tool that you need to use. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think in terms of pattern, it's pretty simple. But in terms of uh, tools that are linking to a pattern, you have, um, I think, a huge set of uh, tools in the SAP world, in also AWS, in Azure, in Alibaba, in every cloud uh, vendor has got their own product and suite of tools to do exactly the same activity. And it becomes very tricky in a multi-cloud environment. And this is also one of the critical questions that I get asked. So I have a multi-cloud environment where I have AWS, Azure, SAP, and the uh, Google Cloud, for example. So what tools I need to use for integration? Do I need to choose a tool that's agnostic, which is not from these vendors, or do I need to use the tools that are uh, from the vendors to integrate into it? I always say that it depends on uh, what budget you have, firstly, and also it depends um, on the second uh, important factor, whether you want to implement a centralized framework or a decentralized framework. So if you're uh, if you're thinking about integration as a centralized framework, you would probably use uh, technology agnostic integration and push all the data into the single platform using that uh, technology agnostic integration platform, and all the systems will connect and send this uh, data to that uh, integration platform and that integration platform connects to other applications. The other approach uh, of decentralization is, for example, if I'm connecting to an SAP application, I use SAP Cloud Platform Integration. If I'm connecting to an AWS application, I'll have uh, AWS uh, integration tool to do that. And these tools of uh, uh, SAP or AWS or Azure is not on-premise licensing. So it is pretty minimal in terms of licensing costs. And these tools will help to consume these services very quickly because of their inbuilt native uh, connectivity uh, built in into their uh, uh, integration tools. So for example, an SAP uh, integration tool can connect to SAP systems seamlessly without much effort. 
in the similar way, when you're connecting, for example, to an AWS application, AWS Lambda or API Gateway could be the best way to connect into the AWS system because they are vendor compliant. Ah, okay. And would be easier to implement in that framework if you had data specifically there or whatever. Yes, correct. <laughs> That's correct, Daniel. I think your son has proven you mute. <laughs> no, that was me. Oh, right, okay. So, yes, um, one thing just before we, we end, uh, any advice you would give uh, integration architects about what they should be doing or what they should consider uh, as a part of their tool set or processes? Uh, I think, I think, um, I would think don't set yourself a limit in this connected world because traditionally we have been integrating systems uh, that are system A on one, on one uh, data center, system B on same data center or system B on another data center. But now we are coming to a place where we are integrating applications and we don't know where the application is actually hosted. It can be on the container, it can be on the cloud, it can be on the on-premise system, and or it can be an IoT device sending you a lot of uh, data into the system. So as an integration expert, I would probably think that you should leverage and you should update yourself with uh, all the tools that are required to do the process integration, data integration, and user integration, and IoT integration. So when I say that, it becomes uh, it becomes like a bold statement uh, because there are a lot of technologies in these areas and can a person or an integration architect know everything? And it'll be overwhelming for many integration experts if I say RPA, data science, machine intelligence, AI, um, ETL tools, data hub, that type of a thing. But you got to understand one thing is as the direction of uh, how industry is moving, most of these technologies are becoming drag and drop and are consumed as an API. So at the end of the day, even your AI or machine intelligence that you need to infuse into application is going to uh, become an API. And you, even your server is going to be consumed as serverless computing as an API. So from my perspective, I think we have a long road and a very strong demand in terms of uh, acquiring new skills. So uh, it's about learning all the new different platforms and understand how they can play into your organization. Yeah. Area. So when I say that, uh, I'm not expecting you to know every nut and bolt of each technology, but I'm saying at a high level, you need to know the synergy between these technologies and where these technologies have to be used in the right way. And at the same time, understand how we can deliver the value. Because this, as I said in the webinar as well, there's a lot of synergy between RPA, data science, AI, and integration uh, in, in terms of delivering uh, business value to drive the process efficiency. So it's very important that we actually understand these tools. These tools, when you actually look at it, uh, it's not... Uh, it's, it's not going to take a long time because they are tools and the drag, it, drag and drop type of thing. But, and the concept is, is the same because you're sending the data from system A to system B. It is not rocket science to learn a new tool. But as I said, for the integration architects, I'm not expecting them to know every 
uh, tool in detail but at the high level they need to know what and what's uh, available what the tool does and why uh, the tool should be used and how you can use that tool to deliver excellence for the customer cool uh, yes thanks for for sharing it's been a pleasure to to hear some of these uh, these concepts apis uh, discussion we had so uh, really thanks for sharing thanks daniel uh, i think i had a very good uh, friday evening today and i really enjoyed having this conversation with you and uh, we finally made it work which is absolutely brilliant <laughs> i think we yeah it's been a long time and and yeah. it's good to to create a podcast again so yeah absolutely with the two famous personalities in the world i'm sure it's going yes. to fetch a lot of views <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at least in this uh, small niche uh, area so yeah, uh, thanks for for being on the show and i hope to talk to you soon thank uh, you very much uh, daniel if you like this uh, podcast please uh, like subscribe and share it i really appreciate it thanks for listening <laughs>